Hello and welcome to Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the programme, Phil Kenny, who writes a blog about Hong Kong and Macau film stuff, talks to me about the Bond movie, The Man with the Golden Gun, which was partly filmed in Hong Kong in the early 1970s. It's James Bond, Roger Moore, died last month. But first, conservationist Katie Law of the Central and Western Concern Group talks to me about the Tonglao of Central, Chinese tenement buildings largely constructed in the 1950s and under threat of demolition from the Urban Renewal Authorities, or URA's H19 project. The URA has submitted a plan to the Town Planning Board asking for larger plot ratio and the public consultation is open for another two weeks. We're sitting in a little park just off Huayinfong uh, East and Huayinfong West, which is some very small lanes uh, beside Xingwang Street in Shangwan. So this is a, a lovely area, and we are surrounded by many Tonglao, which is at the very heart of Old Central. Yes, it is. And I mean, most of these Tonglao are only three or four stories, aren't they? Yeah, they're beautiful. And uh, this is a very old area of Hong Kong, really. Xingwang Street being named after a Xingwang temple, which existed on the site of the PMQ. In the, so the police early, married quarters? Yeah, police married quarters in the, the 1840s. And uh, it was one of the very early temples in Hong Kong. Uh, no longer here now because um, it was knocked down to build the central school. And that was before the police married quarters too. But the name Xing uh, Wong has remained uh, to become the name of this street. So this is definitely a very, very historic area, but it's also facing threat of development by the Urban Renewal Authority. What is a Tonglao exactly? Basically, it simply means a Chinese tenement building. There are quite a lot of Tonglao in Hong Kong, uh, ranging from some very old ones uh, in the central, in Wellington Street, for example, we have a Tonglao uh, dating to the 1870s. It's called the Wingwall Grocery Shop, which recently has been announced that it will be preserved. We have some not-so-old Tonglao, but they are still of historic value, of course, like these in Xingwang Street, Wingli Street. They were built after the Second World War. Yeah, so these Tonglao um, stem from the early 1950s or thereabout. Yeah, yeah. Um, because this area was quite seriously affected during the war. It has been destroyed by bombing and uh, by some people locking down the, the houses for for example, the central school has been knocked down because of the bombing and also because people looking for firewood. So this Tonglao area has been destroyed during the Second World War. And um, the Tonglao that we see today um, was rebuilt after the war. What is the significance of these houses as opposed to any others? They are at the heart of this um, histor our historic city being like the flesh of the historic city. But unfortunately, many of them has been demolished in recent years for development. And now we are getting, you know, fewer and fewer of them. So it really become, you know, increasingly precious, especially if we are talking about conserving the historic area of Central. Then these houses are important as one of the very integral part of the old city. 
What is the uh, URA or the Urban Renewal Authority? What are they proposing for this area? The URA called this area H19, you know, one of their redevelopment areas. And um, they are proposing to knock down all the Tonglao in this area, about, you know, uh, 20 of them. And they are proposing two um, high-rise residential towers with retail shops and podium at the bottom. It will be a big change for this area, a very sad change if, if it is going to happen because the Tonglao in this area, they're really beautiful and uh, some of them are actually really nicely renovated by their owners. But are they largely private or are they empty at the moment? I would say half and half. For those that are still occupied, um, they have been renovated. As you can see, some of them along uh, Staunton Street. As we can see from some of the old photos, the Staunton Street and Xinwang Street areas, there was a very vibrant market in here. So there are, you know, stalls and shops and grocery shops and, and the Tonglao are all filled with people. So they are mostly working class people or the people who run the shops and the stores. And uh, what sort of building did you grow up in? Because you come from this area, don't you? Yeah, I have lived on King Road for a long time, over 40 years. So at the beginning, I lived in a small building, um, not a Tonglao, but uh, with, a, with an elevator. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> it's a nice area, King Road, and I, I still remember my school was there, Sacred Heart Canosian College, um, a very historic school with really beautiful buildings but it had to move to Pofulam when I reached uh, secondary uh, school so it's quite unfortunate that our historic building was knocked down at that time. I think that's probably why I, I treasure the, you know, the historic buildings and the neighbourhoods in this area because once you lost it and they will be gone forever and, and it's so hard to turn back and, and say to see them again. How do you, when you when you build a you know like the one we're looking at when you build a Tong Lao on a slope, what's involved in the foundations there? Well, they have a foundation. Uh, yeah, I'd hope so. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, they don't have to be very deep foundation mm. because it's just uh, like a three or four story building. As long as they are just a, a low rise building, it's pretty okay. It's not difficult to build. But of course, one very important factor is whether that slope or the terrace have been formed properly and with a very good retaining wall behind. And uh, that's it. the interesting thing about this um, historic landscape is as the whole of the city of Victoria in this area um, was built on a slope. So it really took a lot of effort to flatten the land and to safeguard the slope behind it with good retaining walls. That's why we can find a lot of retaining walls built with granite stones all along the Hollywood Road and uh, the Xinwang Street or behind Wingley Street, built with really beautiful granite stones and sometimes there are wall trees as well. So this talks a lot about our old city and how our ancestors work to make this a livable area. Now, um, the government has actually also, was at the Tourism Bureau, I noticed recently, um, has been doing some form of historic central project. In fact, they are 
recently they are doing a very aggressive promotion of the Old Town Central. And you can see uh, banners and posters everywhere along the escalator and along and on some of the historic buildings too, promoting to the um, tourists that they should visit this beautiful part of uh, Old Central in Hong Kong. Well, that's good, isn't it? Well, it's good in a way that um, the government, the tourism board, they are, you know, aware of this treasure and this gem of Central. It's good that um, they acknowledge its significance. But on the other hand, it's kind of ironic because um, the government or the Urban Renewal Authority is still being given a free hand to destroy this very part of the old city. I mean, the ERA just, you know, put in an application to this area, H19, to increase the plot ratio of the buildings that they are going to build. And uh, they, they have no, you know, sympathy to all these Tonglao at all. I mean, in their plan, they're all going to be knocked down. Even but isn't, I mean, you know, you're, you're obviously, you're into nostalgia, looking back to your childhood. Um, but, I mean, are you realistic, really? I mean, you know, this is an economic town. Um, you you um, are an activist and you say, save this, save that. But isn't there an ec- economic factor? Who's supposed to finance it all? Well, the fact that we can see is that all over Soho and Poho, there are owners who really love their Tonglao and uh, put in a lot of resources to renovate their property and nicely and to really preserve this um, integral part of our old city to show to the public and to our visitors. I mean, that, that is definitely an economic action, right? And um, I think there is so much to it about the property, um, how to give it, you know, to upgrade its value by using renovation. And also there is this value, which is a cultural and social value, which, you know, their renovation and conservation have added to our society and to the city of Hong Kong. I mean, that's not just monetary, but it's also cultural and social. Well, I'd also and also good for the tourists as well to see. Ah, yeah, but I'm I'm more interested in local people. To be honest, I mean, I think too many things are, you know, what the tourists might think of Hong Kong. I think that's valuable. Um, but I, I I think sitting here with you on a bench in an area where we are looking at some three-story, four-story buildings, or uh, some Tong Lao, but up above you can hear the drills already, and um, there's some you know good 25-story. Uh, buildings around us and I think there's an issue of looking at greenery and being able to breathe. Of course the Tonglao um, not only provide you know like a historic testimony to our society it also allows us to have a, a, a breathing space in this very you know overdeveloped mm. and overcrowded city and um, the drilling that we hear is actually <laughs> from the Bridges Street Market which is also a, a war market building which has been preserved and uh, will be turned into a news expo so it's a news expo it's called a news expo it's mainly for the media the uh, news industry to uh, showcase probably some of their printing machines or or their newspapers uh, historic archive 
etc. So it's in one of the revitalizing program for historic building. What are the characteristics of a Tonglao versus any other kind of building? Now, for example, we are looking at a building on Ching Wong Street, uh, number 17 and number 18. And um, it's three story. And the interesting about it is that it is built on the, the steep, uh, a step street. So it's one side lower and another side a bit higher. They have balconies. And uh, in the middle, because there is a common staircase, um, they have ventilation grills, which allows very nice ventilation and sun to go in the staircase. Normally, they have iron frame for the windows, and they have quite a lot of windows, I would say. And this one, the window frames are painted green, which is very classic. Some of the entrance and also the rails, uh, railing of the um, staircase, uh, they use terrazzo. So this is a typical um, uh, material. Terrasso? Terrasso. What's yeah. that? It's a mix of um, some of the small stones uh, with the like cement. So terrasso is a typical material the architects and builders used in the 50s and 60s um, for the surface of some of the entrance and also the, the railings of the common staircase. A.H. Basto created these couple of Tonglao in Staunton Street on the corner with Xingwang Street. Now, uh, what do we know about him? Did he create any other, did he design any other buildings in Hong Kong? Well, actually, in this neighborhood, aside from uh, number 88 to 19 Staunton Street, he also built a few buildings in Yin Fong West. Um, smaller buildings, but really, um, you know, uh, nice looking. And he also built uh, other quite substantial buildings in Hong Kong, including the St. Louis School in the Western District, St. Anthony's Church, and also the Xing Kuang Church in Causeway Bay. In fact, even the Tung Tak Pond House in Wan Chai was built by him. So what would you say his style is? Since he is a Portuguese, I think he also demonstrates that uh, Western style in his building, uh, as we can see from the churches. But uh, since um, most of these buildings are built either slightly pre-war or post-war, so he demonstrates the modernist architectural style, which is very popular during that time, um, with uh, simple and uh, very structural lines and uh, functional um, style, and uh, not so much decoration. I think the very unique characteristic is his um, simplicity and functionalism. And for the Tonglao building in here, uh, for example, number 88 to 90 Staunton Street, um, although the, the front part of the Tonglao looks very much the same as in the, those on the Xingwang Street or in Wingley Street, but um, on the rear part, we can see rounded balconies on both sides of the Tonglao, which I think is a very unique feature for, for this particular building. Now, H19 itself, I mean, what sort of expanse is that area that has been earmarked by the URA? This is a project which has been started for quite some years now, and almost 20 years. And at the beginning is a, quite a large area from Wingley Street in the west to Aberdeen Street to the east, and from Staunton Street along, you know, behind the PMQ and, you know, above, going up to the hill. Um, but it has um, also experienced some changes over the year. Of course, 
quite recently is the removal of the entire Wingley Street from this area. So right now, um, there are only two sites left. They call it Site B and Site C because Site A is Wingley Street, which has been removed. So Site B is the one, um, you know, bounded by Xing Wong Street and Staunton Street and Yin Fong East. Site C is closer to um, Aberdeen Street and is bounded by um, Chung Hua Lane. So it's only two um, small area, but with, you know, about 20 Tong Lao here. The URA recently put in an application to the town planning board to further raising um, the plot ratio. And uh, it has... What does that mean? They want to build higher and, and bigger and more commercial uh, retail space and podium. Now, I mean, part of this area is also the historic 30 houses. This name is a very old and traditional name for this area. They call it the 30 houses. I've heard that uh, it's from a long time ago, this name. And uh, today, I think only the very old uh, Gai Fong will know this name. Um, but this name has been preserved by the Hungry Girls Festival, which is organized in this neighborhood every year. Well, this year in September. And uh, it is a really um, amazing and colorful festival which honored our ancestors and of this neighborhood. This 30 house Gai Fong Hungry Girls Festival actually has a shop in this age 19 area on Staunton Street. The only place where we can see the name of 30 houses, you know, presented because it's in there, the shop signed telling us this. Where we are sitting in the H19 area is in fact the traditional 30 houses area. Yeah, because I always feel, you know, that that, um, uh, I'm uh, 48, my parents still live in the house I was born in, in southern England. Now, I mean, they might sell up later on, but, um, you know, for me, there is a real sense of place. I go back, um, the the town where I come from has a Norman Abbey, It's, it's over a thousand years old. For Hong Kong, when you have older people in Hong Kong or even, you know, my generation, so how do they get their sense of place, you know, in terms of traditions, in terms of festivals? It's all on the move. It's it's really so important, this uh, older neighbourhoods and uh, we're still, you know, some of the, the houses uh, and the streets and the lanes that remain because I saw many times that older people come back to this neighbourhood to try and find the house that they once lived in or to s- try and see if they can meet some of their neighbours. So the value of these places are really they act as an anchor to our feelings and to our attachment of that place. That we still have somewhere to come back and search for, you know, our past, our experience and our history. And this is exactly why these historic neighborhoods are so important for conservation and for us to study and to understand our past. If we don't know, for example, about the the name of these 30 houses, maybe to the younger generations, uh, it can mean nothing if we don't tell them and we don't explain to them the story behind. But it is so important because it is about the growth of our city. All these older neighborhoods, Tong Lao, you know, the streets and terraces and, uh, you know, the lanes, it actually is the fabric of this very history of Hong Kong. 
And it is important for us to um, to study, to understand, to document, and to spread this message, because the young people are in fact very interested to know their past. We have organized tours for this 30 houses uh, area last Saturday, and uh, the tour attracted over 30 people from all over Hong Kong, different different districts. So are you going to be holding those quite regularly? Or? Yes, we want to, um, because people don't actually know this area uh, before. But um, they find it really interesting. And, uh, well, we said we are going to take you on a tour of the 30 houses area. Before they came, they don't know what is the 30 houses area. But we tried to explain to them. We took them to different parts, to Wingley Street, to see the Tong Lao on the terrace, to Yin um, Fong, to see the Tong Lao, which were built on the stepped street. So there are different forms. They are of different forms of Tong Lao uh, on the very uh, landscape that is uh, a very historic landscape. Katie Law there of the Central and Western Concern Group. If you'd like to look at the URA's plans or voice your views, the public consultation with the Town Planning Board is open for another two weeks. If you'd like to learn more about the 30 houses, the old neighbourhood located on the hillside behind the former police married quarters in Central, then there's an exhibition outside number 17, Xingwang Street, highlighting work by local artists on the 30 houses theme. The exhibition at number 17, Xingwang Street, is on until June the 25th. I was reading recently in the South China Morning Post that out of three Bond films that were partly set in Hong Kong, Roger Moore was the only actual Bond to come here. In The Man with the Golden Gun, you also see him jump off a police launch and onto the wreck of the ocean liner, the Queen Elizabeth, which was owned by former chief executive Tung Chiwa's father and mysteriously caught fire in 1972. Phil Kenny writes a blog called Hong Kong and Macau Film Stuff, posts about Hong Kong film locations used in a variety of international films. I asked him which Hong Kong bits spring to mind when he thinks of the movie. I think the, the main bits really, they're only here for a few weeks, and so you don't really see a great deal, but what you do see, you see, um, for example, the, the hydrofoil coming in from Macau, and then Bond uh, disembarking at the old ferry terminal in, in Sungwan before jumping into a car and going to the peninsula. So do they cheat uh, on the geography then? Yes, they cheat on, on the geography, but <laughs> films always do that. <laughs> yeah, because there's the, there's the scene when Scaramanga shoots the guy outside the Bottoms Up Club, which was actually on Hanoi Road at the time in TST, and then Bond is taken away by Lieutenant Hip and put onto a boat next to Queen's Pier, in Edinburgh Place, so <laughs> somehow he, he made the leap over to the other side of the harbour to get onto the boat, and then he's taken to the to the wreck of the Queen Elizabeth, you know, which is in the harbour over there. So they, they always, you know, they always take a, a few liberties with, with geography, it's, it, but it's not just Bond. I mean, all films do that. Are you a bit of a pedant on that front, or you don't mind? I used to be, but I've realised <laughs> that it's most people who watch these films aren't really going to be as familiar with Hong Kong as... As most, you know, most people that live here, or you know, certainly me. He has a powerful weapon. He charges a million a shot. An assassin, second to none. The man with the golden gun. Lurking in the way, a crouched on a rooftop somewhere. 
So who were the leading ladies on this film? The two leading ladies were the two Swedish actresses, Maud Adams, who I think she went on to star in Octopus as well later on, um, and Britt Eklund. Maud Adams played the Scaramangas, you know, the main baddie, uh, his girlfriend who, you know, does some of his kind of menial tasks like picking up his payments for him. And Britt Eklund pay, uh, plays the kind of kooky... Um, intelligence contact that Bond has when he arrives in Hong Kong. And Scaramanga is the baddie? Scaramanga is the baddie, yes. Scaramanga was played by Christopher Lee, who um, actually has a real-life link to Ian Fleming, because I was reading recently that uh, Christopher Lee is actually Ian Fleming's cousin, which I I hadn't realised when I originally saw the film. So that was quite a a nice little kind of link between the two. Christopher Lee himself was, uh, was an intelligence officer during the war, along with his cousin, so it's quite interesting. But Christopher Lee wasn't really a stranger to Hong Kong either, because he'd been over a few years before to make a couple of films. Might have heard of them. One of them was The Vengeance of Fu Manchu in his not-so-politically-correct Chinese makeup. And he was also briefly in another film in 1967 called Five Gold Dragons, starring Bob Cummins, and he was one of the Golden Dragons, one of the uh, kind of a, a mafia master. So he'd been here before anyway. When you're watching this, I mean, are you a Bond fan yourself? Yeah, I've, I've, you know, I, I grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s in the UK, so it's um, Roger Moore was always on the TV at Christmas, probably. <laughs> I think Roger Moore was, was the main Bond that I, I was familiar with as, a, as yes. a kid. So, yeah, I've always kind of loved the films, but I, I, I think as I've, as I've got older, the films that have the more technological kind of gimmicks in it have, were, were less appealing to me. I know I preferred the more old school, you know, going back to uh, closer to reality kind of films. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the Daniel Craig ones. But also I think, I think my favourite film is actually uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which, was, which starred George Lazenby. So, yeah. Yes, the one-off, the one-off Bond. His may be Bond shoot here? It was only a few weeks. I mean, Guy Hamilton had come over... That's a director, yeah? Yeah, Guy Hamilton was a director. He came over with a very small crew in the November of 1973, and he actually filmed the shots we see of the the Queen Elizabeth wreck in the harbour, and also using a a stuntman, because Roger Moore wasn't available until the following year. Um, The stuntman might love it was doubling for Roger Moore as he jumps off the boat onto the shipwreck, which is in the film. Um, and then obviously the next scene cuts away to Roger Moore going through the, the studio set of, of, of the shipwreck. And then the actual proper filming didn't start until April. And all the Thai scenes, all the, you know, the, fil- uh, the scenes filmed in Phuket were filmed before they came to Hong Kong. So the, the finale of the film was actually made very first. And then at the end of April, they came to Hong Kong to do all the filming at the Dragon Garden, over on Castle Peak Road, uh, towards Chun Mun, 
which is the, the famous villa with the, you know, the garden with the ornate kind of statues and glazed effigies. Of, so, Phil, have um, you been up there to sort of impersonate Bond, you know, like in those opening scenes? No, I haven't because, you, haven't. you know, the, the, I don't know if it's open to the public yet. I know oh. the, the owner, she, you know, she rescued it from demolition about 10 years ago and has spent many years trying to restore it to its former um, glory. And I think the intention was they wanted to open it to the public, but I think even now it's um, maybe it's you have to be part of a group or... Yes, exactly, because it would be lovely to go up there. The film itself, The Man with the Golden Gun, very much is, you know, was responsible for Phuket becoming such a, a huge tourist attraction in, in following years. Because when they were filming there, it was just a small village and in, the, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and it's a real shame that Hong Kong hasn't really been able to capitalise on mm. on such a major film being here. And I mean, Dragon Garden would have been perfect because it's, you know, it's fo- it features in several scenes, you know, including when Bond jumps over the wall and pretends to be Scaramanga. And um, and then again later when um, Scaramanga assassinates the owner of the uh, villa, you know, to tie up the loose ends. My thanks to Phil Kenny. If you'd like to have a look at his blog, then just type Hong Kong and Macau Film Stuff into Google. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.